The Oklahoma Sooners get set to take on the Baylor Bears on Saturday. We're going to give you our keys to the game and our picks in the Big 12. And, I mean, there's kind of a big game this weekend happening down in the South. We'll talk about that one as well on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code Locked On and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, what's up, man? What's going on? We made it, baby. We made it uh, right here. Another uh, obviously big game for Oklahoma. And really, to me, John, the story going into this thing, I'm like we kind of opened the week, is about two teams that were projected to be playing in a Big 12 championship game that right now, uh, I mean, maybe Oklahoma State, right, would have been the, the third in that mix that uh, most people preseason really felt good about. And yet you've got a couple of teams in both Baylor and Oklahoma that are trying to salvage what's left of this 2022 season and really right. The winner takes one step, one big step, I would say forward, John, in doing just that in making 2022 a season to not totally forget, maybe not to totally remember either. Right. But to make it something that's stomachable to their respective fan bases. And uh, we're going to see what gives, right? Yeah. It's been a weird season for Baylor, you know, a team that was, like you said, projected to be a big 12 title contender. A lot of them still had, a lot of people still had Baylor as the favorite in the big 12, just based on what they were bringing back on the offensive line, defensive line in particular as well. And a lot of people have a lot of respect for Dave Aranda. He's a really good coach and they've got a really good coaching staff. So it wasn't like outside the realm of possibility that Baylor could be back there. And, you know, they still have a slim, you know, chance at making the big 12 title game. A lot would have to happen in their favor, but the, the season just been odd for them. You know, they, they went up to Provo, lost a close game to BYU, uh, won a couple games after that to kind of rebound, picked up a win over Iowa State, which at the time everybody's like, okay, that's a pretty good win over Iowa State, 31-24. Iowa State really hasn't done anything this year. But then you go on the road, or sorry, you have Oklahoma State come to Waco and you lose by 11. You then go on the road to Morgantown and you lose by three. And then... Baylor kind of bounces back again with two wins against uh, Kansas and Texas Tech. So it's been a very roller coaster ride of a season for them. You look at Oklahoma's losses. I mean, Kansas State, TCU, the two top teams in the Big 12, and then Texas without your quarterback. So I feel like while they're both five and three on the season, they're both kind of in similar boats as far as where they're at based on or relative to preseason expectations, if you're comparing losses, which that's not how you do things, but it's kind of how the college football playoff committee does things. If you're comparing losses, Oklahoma's losses look a lot better than Baylor's losses. Yeah. You know, for Baylor, the beautiful thing for them that's a little bit different for Oklahoma, John, is I think I think they control, right, their own destiny to get into the Big 12 championship game because they still have games versus Kansas State, TCU and 
Texas to close, obviously, you know, Oklahoma this week. If they win all four, I think they go, would would be in the Big 12 championship game. They'd have, uh, obviously, the tie break uh, over Kansas State, and they'd, you know, eliminate Texas. So that part for them, I mean, obviously, this season's still still very salvageable for, uh, for Baylor, but uh, it really comes down to this game. I think, uh, you know, the way that both seasons are going to wind up playing out for both OU and Baylor, John, and, you know, really, you start talking about biggest keys to the game, and it's uh, – you know, the, the big news this week or one of the big pieces of news this week for Baylor is that Richard Reese, their standout running back, right, is a national freshman of the year semifinalist. And, you know, I mean, probably a lot of weeks the rest of the way we can kind of break it down like this. But, I mean, I think it starts and finishes there for Oklahoma. Just how good of a job can they do attempting to slow down Richard Reese? It's a really good question. And we saw a little bit of life from their rush defense this past week against Iowa state, you know, Oklahoma had been giving up more than 200 yards per game on the ground and they held Iowa state to 66 that dropped their uh, season average in rush yards per game to 189.8. So a big step in the right direction, but you're, you haven't seen the best offensive line in the big 12 are maybe one of the best offensive lines in the country yet. And you're going to see that this Saturday against Baylor, and a true freshman who's running the football really, really well behind that offensive line. So, so much of what this game hinges upon is how well Oklahoma plays against that really, really stout Baylor offensive front. Because if they can't slow the rundown, it's going to be a really, really long game for the defense. And Blake Shapin is going to have a pretty easy day at the office. And I say, you know, and so my expectations going into this one for, for Oklahoma's you know, defense isn't that they're going to shut down Baylor's running game. Isn't that they're going to, keep Richard Reese like to two yards per carry like they did to Jarrell Brock. My expectation, my hope is that we see this team take another step forward, but maybe holds them to four yards per carry versus 2.7 yards per carry holds them to like 140 yards rushing versus 200 yards rushing or 189 yards rushing. So that's kind of my hope. And I feel like if they're able to do that, they're going to have a really good chance to win this game. And even if they do allow Baylor to run the football fairly effectively, as long as they don't give up big plays and big rushes and they make Baylor drive the football, I think it's going to, it's going to play out kind of in their favor a little bit, even though the defense might stay on the field a little bit longer. It's the big plays that really killed Oklahoma against TCU and against Kansas state, Uh, you know, against Texas, they had some success early on, but Texas eventually just kind of took advantage of, uh, you know, missing personnel, Oklahoma's offense not really being able to do anything. And then, you know, against Kansas and Iowa State, I felt like the defense just has gradually made improvements. And I expect them to kind of take another step in that direction this week. Even if even if they do give up some rushing yards on the ground, I feel like this is a game that Baylor's balanced offensive attack kind of helps Oklahoma a little bit in that, you know, Blake Shapin, <laughs> I've said this every week, Blake Shapin's not the athlete that they've seen against like Hunter Deckers or Max Duggan or Adrian Martinez or Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels. Like he's not the same athlete. He can hit, you know, he can make some plays with his arm, but we saw in the Oklahoma state game that he's definitely capable of throwing some interceptions at times too. So slow the run game down. And that's a huge factor for Oklahoma. Yeah, it really is just a a massive week up front defensive line for OU and Brent Venables, right? Said as much, uh, said as much to begin the week that, he felt like he's he's kind of tasked those guys with, hey, this is this is your chance to really 
kind of put your mark on a football game. And you look at, uh, just to revisit some of the numbers from last week, Jonah Laulu finished with uh, four tackles for uh, for the Sooners. Redmond had three, Johnson a couple, Co a couple. So, you know, Stripling a couple. Those uh, TFL numbers, you'd obviously, you'd love to see those kind of go the way that uh, they went for several of those guys last week. Redmond had one and a half uh, in that department and Stripling had a half TFL. So in any of those plays, John, would, would really go a long way if Oklahoma's defensive line can just be, again, what I keep saying all year, just be competent, right? You don't have to be the greatest defensive line in the world. And I'm going to say something here that maybe is a little bit crazy, right? But I don't think it's the worst thing if Oklahoma allows a few explosive runs in this game. So long, John, as those are not explosive scoring runs in this game, right? That might honestly behoove Oklahoma more is if Richard Reese doesn't carry the football 35 times in this game. If every once in a while, sure, he rips off a a 27-yard carry or a 33-yard carry, but then you find a way to force a field goal kick here and there, right? I, I just think one of the keys to victory is either, yeah, you do get some of those stuff runs, where you stop somebody, a Reese and Baylor right at the point of attack, or you do get a TFL, or uh, obviously you just don't let Baylor have these time-consuming drives that takes away possessions for Oklahoma's offense. Because really the key for OU is going to be just mixing a couple of stops. We feel like going in, right? A couple of stops here or there, and then the offense being great in this game. Yeah, and it's going to be up to the offense to kind of pick up where they left off last week, at least putting – putting drives together that get you into scoring territory and then coming away with touchdowns as opposed to settling for field goals. So they got to be a little bit better. Baylor's defense is pretty good. It's not been as good as it was last year, but it's still pretty good. And we'll talk about some more keys for the offense. After I talked to you about underdog, underdog is a great place to play fantasy. It's the easiest place to spice up your college football season. Get started. It's easy to play. You just go sign up, log in, and you can pick the over under on specific players and their their yardage totals uh for that season so i'm i'm looking at underdog and some big games this weekend tcu i picked quentin johnson my guy quentin johnson to go over 83 and a half yards receiving against texas tech kendra miller who's been having a really strong season running the football for the horn frogs i'm thinking he's going over 104.5 rushing yards against the red raiders as well and then you look at the big game between tennessee and georgia Georgia's defense is great, but I have the feeling this is going to be another shootout like we saw between Tennessee and Alabama a few weeks ago. So give me Hendon Hooker over 271 and a half passing yards, Stetson Bennett over 293 and a half passing yards. And then the man, the myth, the legend out there in Knoxville, Jalen Hyatt for 73, over 73 and a half receiving yards. Feeling pretty positive taking all the overs this week. So go to underdog, sign up right now, use our promo code locked on and they will match your first deposit up to $100. Again, that's underdog.com or you can get the app at the Apple store or the Google play store. Again, underdogfantasy.com. Use our promo code locked on, get up to $100 matched on your first deposit. Josh, some keys on the offensive side of the football. Last week, Oklahoma saw the best rush defense in the Big 12, one of the best rushing defenses in the country in Iowa State. They were only allowing a little over 100 yards per game, 105 rushing yards per game on the ground. Oklahoma ran for a buck 86. This week, 
Baylor is now kind of taking over the top spot in the Big 12 as far as run defense goes. The Bears are only allowing um, 113 rushing yards per game. They've allowed 10 rushing touchdowns. So, Josh, another game where the Oklahoma Sooners offensive line has a challenge in front of them. Will they rise to the occasion? I think that's going to be another huge key for this team. Well, and so much of what Oklahoma does is predicated off the ability of Eric Gray to be one of the best running backs in America. So, again, a game within the game. Uh, obviously, the way that both teams are able to rush the football is always going to be imperative. But, I mean, it's important, right, that you don't put Dylan Gabriel or allow Baylor to put Dylan Gabriel in these constant third and eight, third and seven, third and, you know, maybe longer than that situations, right? He's fully capable of converting those. Uh, but, you know, obviously you don't want to constantly have to do that. You'd like to be in some third and mediums. Or, you know what, how about just avoid third down altogether because you're able to run it effectively with Eric Gray. I mean, that's going to be something to watch for, no doubt in this game. Yeah, the best way to, to convert on third down is to avoid third down altogether. Just convert on first and second down. No, I think, like, yeah, it's it's real kind of basic. Run the football. You, you play well. You win. But – I've been of this mind that you just run the football, whether you're being successful or not, you know, mix it in, make sure you're doing it just to, to make it a threat, to make sure that Baylor knows that, Hey, we're going to run it. Even if Siaki Ika stuffs us on three plays in a row, we're going to continue to run the football because we know eventually Eric Gray is going to bust one because he's that explosive of a, of a player. And the offensive line is playing so well that they will open up holes for our team and they will provide opportunities for our playmakers to make plays. I think in, beyond the running game, the Sooners have to be efficient throwing the football. They just have to. You cannot have another poor performance from Marvin Mims. You can't have an inefficient passing attack from Dylan Gabriel. I know some of the, the incompletions weren't completely on him last week, but it's got to be efficient. It's got to be effective. And you got to, and, and Dylan Gabriel himself can keep the Oklahoma Sooners out of third and long situations by, Hey, if I can get five yards on second and 10, I'm going to take the five yards because that's going to create a much more convertible third down for me. Sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously to take what is available, you're going to have to do that uh, in this game. And then the obvious, obviously, uh, you know, a team like Baylor, this feels like a toss up game. So with that in mind, Oklahoma, you know, we saw, Dylan Gabriel in the last home game, a couple of cheap turnovers, right? Not turnovers that Kansas went out and earned turnovers that Dylan Gabriel just inexplicably, you run an option play, which probably, you know, I, I don't mind running Dylan Gabriel, right? I'm not quite to the, uh, you know, John Hoover column from what was it? Three or however, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not quite to the don't run Dylan Gabriel at all point though. I do understand the, uh, point that John Hoover was making was, look, you don't have much beyond Dylan Gabriel. And I certainly agree with him on that front, but Hey, you know, running the quarterback, that's part of what Oklahoma does. I get that. That's part of what Jeff Levy does. It doesn't need to be quarterback option because yeah, guess what? That's running not, the option. It's not what Dylan Gabriel and uh, these guys, this personnel is set up to do. So, you know, those kinds of turnovers, you can't have one of those inexplicable couple of turnovers that we saw a couple of weeks ago versus Kansas. And, you know, probably even larger than that, John, the point I'm getting at here is don't call that play this week. Yeah. Please no speed option from your quarterback who doesn't have the speed to run speed option. Dylan Gabriel can be an effective runner at times, but in this day and age of college football, the option is 
not nearly as effective as it once was because your six foot three, 320 pound defensive linemen have as much speed as your quarterback does. Your linebackers can run with your, your running back. So let's, let's not do that very much. I I'd much, you know how much of a jet sweep guy I'm not, I'd much rather run more jet sweeps than run the option. So, and I, I think if we can see another step taken by Jalil Farouk this week, I feel like he's just, you know, I wrote about it. John Hoover wrote about it. Just this kind of upward trajectory he's been on since the, the Nebraska game where he's made an impact in several different ways throughout. I want to see him take another step. Like Marvin Mims is going to get a lot of attention in this game again because he's Marvin Mims and that's just the way things work. Can Jalil Farouk kind of take another step forward to being the future wide receiver one of this team by taking, hopefully taking some of the pressure off of Marvin Mims. I mean, Jalil Farouk had 100 total yards last week, 74 receiving, 26 rushing, threw in some kick return yards as well. But he's been playing really good football the last few weeks of the season. Would love to see him continue to take that that uh, momentum and build upon that. Another guy I feel like, in addition to Marvin Mims, that needs a nice bounce-back game is Braden Willis. His receiving game last week was not great. Uh, had a pretty bad drop at one point. But, I mean, he does everything else well. In this game, though, in particular, when yards are going to be really hard to come by, you need everybody on point, and that includes one of your leaders, that tight end in Braden Willis. Well, I think you just hit on one of the big keys for Oklahoma. And we could go with the cliched start fast, right? <laughs> mention some turnovers for you. Why not, right? Why not mention start fast? But I do think uh, it's important for Oklahoma, what you mentioned there, right? Mims and Willis combined last week, okay? 11 targets, just four grabs for 24 yards. So not really your prototypical, hey, start fast, but I do think it's, you know, I think it's important that Oklahoma gets the football to both of those guys early, right? That things don't kind of boil over from last week and kind of one one week bleeds into the next. I don't think that's going to be the case with either of those two guys because, again, these are experienced guys that have played a ton of football at Oklahoma, and, uh, you know, you just don't expect that to be the case. But, you know, the one way to solve any of those sort of issues, just get it to them quick, John. Yeah, I agree with that and get the ball in your playmaker's hands fast. I, I'd love to see them hit Braden Willis, like get him the ball first, you know, simple drop back five-yard hitch, something simple like that. Get the offense going. Get the passing game going early. Use the quick passing game. The best way to disrupt a pass rush, get the ball out of your quarterback's hands under two and a half seconds. That's a huge key for this one. All right, let's do some picks. It's our. This is the time where we go through bet online's odds and the, the lines, the over-under. We'll take a look at those. We'll pick the big 12 games and we're going to pick the Tennessee Alabama game. Cause Hey, it's the game of the week. It might be even the game of the year. We'll see how that one turns out, but man, it's an exciting one. That's going to be taking place down there in Athens. Look for our boy, Anthony Evans, Oklahoma commit, taking his mom to the game. Uh, it's a little, little fun, fun weekend for them. So hopefully they enjoy that, but we'll talk about that. Let's do that, Josh. So starting out TCU is minus eight playing Texas tech. The over-under is 69 and a half, Josh. Well, as would typify, you know, most TCU games or how I feel about most TCU games right now, until I, you know, really see that there's going to be 
a consistent amount of defense played. I'm leaning that there's going to be points scored by uh, both teams. I'm a little bit, a little bit, uh, you know, obviously leery based on what we saw from, you know, Morton or what we didn't see from Morton and Texas Tech last week against Baylor. But I'm at least chalking it up for now to one bad week. So I do expect there to be plenty of points. I'm going to take TCU to end up winning by a couple of scores, but uh, I'm looking, I'm looking 41, 31. So still a solid over. Yeah. TCU's not had much problem scoring points this year. Um, and they've not played great defense a lot this year. Like even, um, you know, in the, in the close games that they've played, they've, they've won a lot of games where it's like, 41 34 or you know like last week against west virginia 41 31 beat kansas state 38 28 oklahoma state 43 40 so a lot of points are going to be scored in this one i think they've probably scored over or they've hit a more than 70 points uh, if i do it real quick it's one two three four five times this season they've gone over 70 points with their opponents so Taking the over on that one seems like a pretty good bet. I, I like Texas Tech to bounce back offensively. I, I don't think that they win this game, but I think they do a lot better than you know the the showing they had last week against Baylor. Give me them to score about twenty points, but I, I'm with you. I, I like Baylor, or sorry, I like TCU to win this game. Uh, but yeah, I think it's probably going to be something like that. But I'm going to say for something like forty-eight to twenty-eight something in that range uh, hit the over Baylor wins by, by 20 or so. I just don't think Texas tech is really up to, you know, hanging with what TCU's got skill wise. All right, next up, we got to pick them. We got to pick them game here as Oklahoma state travels on the road to take on Kansas. Uh, and the over under is 62 and a half. It's amazing to me um, how far the Oklahoma state Cowboys have fallen uh, after that beat down to Kansas State. Do we have anything in the official variety as it pertains to one Spencer Sanders? Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm I'm looking for Jalen Daniels, um, but I'm not seeing anything new on him either. I'm looking for Spencer Sanders right now. The midweek update was maybe hopeful at least from Mike Gundy that Spencer Sanders was going to play in the game. And I don't think we've gotten anything uh, beyond that. It feels like that there's some excitement potentially that Jalen Daniels is going to quarterback this game and be back for Kansas. And the fact that this game has swung from Oklahoma state opening as a slight favorite on the road to now, obviously it being a pick em, tells me that maybe somebody knows something out there or everybody's just guarding against the idea that Sanders doesn't play for Oklahoma state and Daniels does play for Kansas. I'm going to just, I'm going to take an educated guess that that's exactly what happens. Daniels plays Sanders doesn't. And I think it's a surprising result to some that Kansas they're going bowling after this week, Kansas gets its sixth win versus uh, Oklahoma state. I do because it's Kansas. Think even uh, with a Gundy in there playing quarterback, they'll be prone to giving up some points. And if Gundy's gone through this whole week, John, with the understanding that he's going to be the starting quarterback, I don't think you see shaky hands Gunner Gundy like you saw in uh, Manhattan last week. I think he's going to, to those of you out there that think that Gunner Gundy is somehow going to be a lousy Division One quarterback, I think you'll be surprised 
if he does indeed get the call this week in Lawrence, I think he'll play much better. So I'm going to take Kansas, just assuming that uh, that Daniels is back, Sanders is not. Let's say Kansas 37, Oklahoma State 27. Yeah, give me Kansas. I, I don't. I feel like this is kind of a bounce back game for them, uh, even if it's Jason Bean at quarterback. Oklahoma State's defense is not very good. Uh, they've got some good players up front, but as a unit, it's just not performing very well. Uh, so give me the the Jayhawks to bounce back. The quarterback situation makes it odd, but I do think that they hit the over in this one. I do think it's going to be a high scoring game, regardless of who plays at quarterback for either side. Uh, but give me Kansas. In the pick'em, I think I think they're going to go bowling as well. And then we got Iowa State is minus seven against West Virginia with an over under of fifty six. I I am flabbergasted. But you look at both of these teams. I don't know how you pick a favorite, let alone a touchdown favorite in this game. Yeah, no, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because we're not too far removed from West Virginia getting housed on the road by Texas Tech, and there's some bad defensive performances really across the board along the way for West Virginia. I do think they're the better team though. And until I actually see Iowa state win a big 12 game, I'm going to bank on, even though it's on the road that, uh, that JT finds a way for West Virginia to go win this game on the road. I don't expect uh, you know, even though West Virginia has been prone to giving up points versus Iowa state, I'm not sure they're going to give up a ton of points. I will take West Virginia on the road, uh, because of Iowa State's defense to not have it be super high scoring. It's going to be a good game. I'll take West Virginia 27, Iowa State 24. Yeah, and the over-under was 56 on that. So you're going to take the under on that one. Yeah, I I don't like Iowa State plus minus seven because I just don't think that they can score enough to beat somebody by more than a touchdown. So give me West Virginia plus the seven, and I'll also take the under. I think Iowa State's defense is good enough to keep West Virginia's offense in check for the most part in this game. But we'll see Hunter Deckers again give the give the ball away on short and give West Virginia a short field where they're going to have a chance to score some, some ugly points at some point in this game and, and be able to take a lead. Unfortunately, Cyclones staying out of the win column. All right, before we get on to Oklahoma and Baylor, let's talk to the big one of the week, and that is Georgia minus eight hosting the Tennessee Volunteers, the number one team in the college football playoff rankings with the Heisman favorite currently in Hendon Hooker. Uh, it's Georgia minus eight. The over-under is 66 and a half in Athens. Well, we've got one more Big 12 game too, right? Texas uh, at Kansas State. Oh, yeah. Freaking Texas. Easy to forget about. So, <laughs> so all- easy. They were covered up by my second sticky note over here. No big deal. I'll, I'll hit the big game first, and then let's not forget about Texas K-State. I'm picking the Wildcats. Or we, or we could forget, forget about Texas at all. Well, whatever. Wildcats <laughs> are winning that game. There you go. Whatever the number is, the Wildcats are covering it. Um, yeah, there, there you go. Wildcats are winning. They're, they're, I don't care if it's Will Howard. I don't care if it's Adrian Martinez. It's in the little apple. Uh, Deuce Vaughn's going to run wild. Will Howard's going to throw for a bazillion yards. Adrian Martinez might run for a million. Uh, No chance for the horns. Okay. The big game of the week, the big game of the week. uh, I like Georgia to prove that they are the national champion. Obviously the game uh, shifting over to Athens uh, in terms of these big games, we've seen Tennessee 
get to host Alabama and stamp its claim as one of the nation's finest. I'm not ready. I'm not there yet with Tennessee. This would be the week, though, that if they go win this game for me, then all of a sudden, okay, yeah, legitimately, you're the number one team in the country. I just think this has written all over it. Tennessee kind of pulled a little bit of an upset at home over Alabama, and they're about to get got by the defending national champion in the Georgia Bulldogs in a rivalry game. So I like Georgia to cover those points. I don't think this game's going to be particularly close. I think Georgia's start to finish sort of dominates Tennessee. Man, maybe this is just me being hopeful or wishful thinking, but I think Tennessee does keep it close. So I'm going to take Tennessee plus those eight points. I'm not sure if they win it outright or not, but I do think it's going to be a high scoring game. I think because of Tennessee's talent offensively, they're going to push Georgia to have to kind of open it up offensively a little bit. And so I think we're going to see a game that hits the over hits over 66 and a half. And I do think Tennessee covers, I think, or at least keeps it within eight um, and and forces Georgia to play a tight ball game, whether they win or not. I don't know, but I think it's going to be another big game out of Hendon hooker and a Jalen Hyatt. I just, they're just playing really, really great football right now. And it's hard to slow them down. All right. You spoke on Kansas state and Texas. Now I'm going to speak on Kansas state and Texas before we get to OU and Baylor. I don't know how Texas is favored two and a half on the road against Kansas state with or without Adrian Martinez. I don't understand that. Again, this is one of those weird games like we've seen in years past or in weeks past where what was it? Kansas state minus one against Iowa state. And it happened to hit a push on that game. So this, this could just be another one of those weird weeks where, you know, Texas, they don't win by two and a half, but it, you know, Kansas, it's a close game. The Kansas state ultimately pulls out. And, I, and I th- I'm with you. I think Kansas state wins this one. They're the way their defense played against Oklahoma state. I mean, that's a totally different defense than what we've seen at different times this year. If they play the same way against Texas, not saying they will, but John Robinson's a different player. JT Sanders is a really good tight end. And then you got Xavier Worthy as well. It's a much different offense that they'll be facing. But I think Kansas State's offense is still good enough to win this game. And the defense is good enough to kind of slow things down for the Longhorns a little bit. And it's going to be, again, a road game for Quinn Ewers, who's not fared well um, on the road in his one true road start um, against Oklahoma State. So give me Kansas State um, plus the two and a half. And then over, I think I think it'll hit over 54 and a half. I just don't know exactly where it lands. Oklahoma Baylor, Oklahoma, three and a half point favorites right now. The over under 61 and a half. Josh, shall I go first? Shall you go first? You take the honors. All right. We're going to not bear down because that's what they say, but it's Oklahoma. I'm going Oklahoma. It's the time for the Sooners to continue to prove that they're on this upward trajectory that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. They are a team that, well, yeah, they got three big 12 losses. Two of those are against the top two teams in the conference. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, that Texas game, we just toss it in the garbage. We set it out by the curb. We wait for trash day. We let trash day take the garbage truck, take it, throw it in the dump where it's never to be seen from again. It gets buried in the rubble and, Thousands of years from now, somebody might pick that one up and be like, oh, what happened here? That's weird. Oh, Dylan Gabriel didn't play. Okay, well, let's just put it back. It doesn't belong anywhere within our memory banks or within our worldview of football. That was not Oklahoma football, not what they're capable of. So 
in this game, I think we're seeing what Oklahoma is capable of. We saw it against Kansas. So we saw against Iowa state, even though it was an ugly offensive performance, they proved that they could win ugly. And that is a sign of a good team. In my opinion is when not all things are, are clicking that you can still come away with a two touchdown win against one of the best defenses in the big 12. I don't think that they automatically explode for, you know, 40 points in this game against a, a really good Baylor defense. But I do think that they hit their stride a little bit and they start fast. They get things going offensively. Dylan Gabriel has a much tighter game, much cleaner game. Marvin Mims bounces back. He kind of takes what happened last week personally and decides to just run roughshod over a young Baylor Bears secondary. So give me the Oklahoma Sooners minus the three and a half, hitting the over. I'm picking Oklahoma 34 to 30, three game winning streak, getting ready for the final three games of the season. In what will turn into one of the finest games ESPN Plus has ever seen. That's right. Sooner Vision. The Sooners are going to find a way to win this football game, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, I do expect plenty of points, though Baylor's ability, and I think Oklahoma's ability to run the football, the, the two teams combined, though it's very, very efficient, I think, offensively, and you know, kind of combined, not all that great. Defensively, I don't expect this to get into the – the mid forties or anything crazy shootout territory like that though. I think, you know, just in terms of points per possession, it's probably going to be pretty efficient offensively. I'm going to take Oklahoma to win. Uh, I think I said 37, 34 earlier in the week. I'm right there. 34, 30 in that neighborhood. I don't think it gets into the forties, but I do expect both offenses to have enough success in this game. I don't expect a lot of resistance defensively. Ultimately, I think playing at home and Oklahoma having Dylan Gabriel back are a couple of the big differences. A fourth down stopper too, right? If we're talking one final defensive key, Baylor's been amazing at fourth down conversions. Oklahoma, they're going to have to, if they win this game, find a way to, if it's not takeaways, then to one time or another, John, win a fourth down. And we can do it. You got to believe, right? That's what Brent Venables said. If you have any seeds of doubt, you might as well just quit. And there's no sense in you got to believe. So we're believing, believing in good things starting at 2 p.m. on Saturday in Norman. If you're at the game, make sure you shoot, shoot us a shout out. Send us some pictures at Locked On Sooners. Tag us on Twitter. We'd love to see your, your pics from the game. We'll retweet them out there as well so the masses can see it. Uh, it's going to be a fun atmosphere. It always is in Norman on game day. So we only got one more home game after this. So Enjoy this one, and then Bedlam comes after that. Four more games left in the regular season. Make every one of them count. Good luck to you, Sooner Nation, on Saturday. Make sure you're loud, giving the home field advantage to the Oklahoma Sooners. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. For Josh Helmer, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. Follow, listen to him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon. I'm sure they'll have great stuff over there on the Ref with Chris Plank as well. Uh, on Monday through Friday, uh, nine to noon. Um, and then they'll have great pregame postgame coverage over there on the ref as well. He keeps making this face. You're not seeing it on the podcast side, but it's like, he's kind of underselling all the, the good work that those guys do. So you can stop that friends of the show over at the ref. Um, trying to give plugs to your station, man, quit it. <laughs> no, we are the best. You're correct. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. I mean, there are other options out there if you choose to uh, switch the radio dial, but no, we're going to don't do that. It's late. It's late at night. What can I say? Norman <laughs> North, uh, Norman North hosted in the playoffs. Bixby streak is over. That's all. 
There you go. High school and Gonzaga might be a big 12 team. So we'll leave you with that little nugget. I'm John. Make sure you read my work over at soonerswire.com. We'll have great pregame coverage for you over there as well. And I'm not going to make a weird face like Josh did. We are going to provide some great pregame coverage to you over there and postgame. So make sure you check it out. Until next time, we'll catch you then. Have a great weekend. Boomer Sooner.